Good morning, faith family. I want to say a lot of those gathered in Lakeville and in our sanctuary service invite all of you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 will be our passage this morning. While you're turning there, let me just say it's good to be back with you. Last uh, weekend, I was just returning from uh, Guatemala. Uh, we had a uh, team from Berean that uh, went to Guatemala for the week and built two more homes. And uh, this is a ministry that we've had uh, continuing uh, for several months now. In fact, I just want you to know as your pastor how encouraged I am. Uh, to your faithfulness in giving, uh, to our GoFund, to support missions. Uh, in fact, if my Tennessee math is correct, uh, over the last several months, uh, this church has invested in building 10 homes for families who did not have a home. And so you are making, amen, you are making a real impact in the lives of people around the world. And we talk about lives being transformed by the power of the gospel. And that's not just spiritual transformation, it's life transformation. Uh, and you have changed people's lives. And that's just one ministry of many that I could talk about uh, that we're involved in, literally, not just in the South Metro here, but around the world. And uh, this particular trip was also special for another reason for me, because it was the first ministry mission trip that my son and I were able to go on and to build together. I'm the short one, all right, in that picture, and uh, just had a really good time as dad uh, building with my son. He, he took all the credit for everything that we did, but uh, uh, it was really, really a great time. Thank you, Faith Family. I love you. I'm proud of you. I am so appreciative of the way that you sacrifice to make a difference in the world for the sake of the gospel. Well, it's good to be back. We're starting a new series this morning called All Sides of the Savior. And uh, what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to look at the humanity of Jesus. We're going to take a closer look as to who really is Jesus according to the gospels. Now, you might ask the question, well, why would I want to know more about the humanity of Jesus. Now, I don't know why you would ask that, but even if you did, here's my question back to you. How can you have a personal relationship with Jesus if you don't know the person of Jesus? Because that's what this whole thing is about, right? To have a personal relationship with Christ. So how do we do that if we don't really understand who Jesus is in all of his beauty and humanity and personhood? That's what we're going to study over the next several weeks. And uh, this morning, I just want to lay a foundation and give you an introduction. Now, if you're new with us, introduction doesn't mean short. It just means introduction, okay? My hope this morning is to get you to come back next week. I want to whet your appetite for the things that we're going to be talking about so that you will say, absolutely, I'm in, I'm invested, I want to know more about Jesus so that I can experience Jesus more in my everyday life. Let's start this morning with the, the foundational truth that Jesus was completely human. He was completely human here in Philippians chapter 2. If you're able to stand, please do so as we honor the reading of God's Word, Philippians 2 and verse 5. Paul writes here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, "'Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself.'" By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. 
Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Would you pray for me and with me as we ask God to come and teach us? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time to be together. Your people gathered to worship you through music, through fellowship, through many different ways. But in this moment, we want to hear from you through the proclamation of your word. We believe these words were breathed out by you. They come to us with your very authority. So speak to us now. Increase our worship of Jesus. And we ask it in his name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Did Jesus ever get a stomach virus? Did Jesus ever get a stomach virus? That was the question that my seminary professor asked us one day in class. Now, on a normal day, the overwhelming response of those in the class would have been, well, yeah, I mean, of course, it's, it's possible. I mean, Jesus was human after all. But on that particular day, the response to that specific question was complicated. And the reason why it was complicated is because my professor was asking that question right after a stomach virus had swept through the seminary community. Literally, the students that he was asking that to had just spent time hovering over a toilet, vomiting. They were literally still recovering from the weakness of that sickness. They were still tired from waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. And he had the nerve to start off the next class with the question, did Jesus ever get a stomach virus? But that question in that moment wasn't abstract. It wasn't generic. In fact, it forced us to think about the humanity of Jesus, not in a generic way, but quite honestly in a way that seemed undignified for someone who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let me ask you, can you actually picture in your mind Jesus Christ on the side of the road, hovering over, puking his guts out because he had some bad fish. Is that how you often think about Jesus? Likely not, because it's a little bit embarrassing. It feels a little bit disrespectful. In fact, for some of you, it feels almost blasphemous. And yet there is a reason we need to address that. And the reality is, is that most of us are fine and would, would, would gladly testify that God became man as long as we don't have to think as God in terms of a man. We wholeheartedly confess the humanity of Jesus, yet rarely actually think of him as a human it goes against the way we've been trained to think, the way we've been taught to think about Jesus. And you know this, when you've only experienced something in a certain way, when you've only thought about something in a particular way, to be exposed to something different seems strange. 
You know this to be true. It happens all the time practically in life. You become uh, so identified with a player for a, for a specific team that it feels strange when all of a sudden you see that same player in a different context. Maybe you've heard a word pronounced the exact same way all your life, and then you hear it pronounced differently, and it seems strange, right? And all of us know it's pecan pie, pecan. Who says that, all right? If you've lived in the same area all your life and then you move to a different place, things seem strange. Listen, faith family. Could it be that we have so emphasized the divinity of Jesus, rightly so, that when we actually stop and think about his humanity, it just feels strange, almost a little blasphemous. Give me grace as I read a few quotes that, that reinforce this idea. Theologian Bruce Ware writes, quote, the instinct in much of evangelical theology, both popular and scholarly, is to stress the deity of Christ. But when it comes to the day-to-day -day obedience and ministry of Jesus, the New Testament puts greater stress on his humanity. He is the second Adam, the son of David. He lived his life as one of us. Now again, he is fully and unequivocally God. But while he is fully God, the predominant reality he experienced day by day, in fact, fulfilled his calling, was his genuine and full humanity. Russ Moore writes, and I quote, many of us see Jesus either as a ghostly friend in the corner of our hearts promising us heaven and guiding us through difficulty, or we see him simply in terms of his sovereignty and power distant from us. But bridging this distance is precisely at the heart of the gospel itself. It just doesn't seem right to imagine Jesus feverish, vomiting, crying, studying to learn Hebrew. From the very beginning of the Christian era, those who sought to redefine the gospel argued that it doesn't seem right to think of Jesus as really flesh and bone, filled with blood, intestines, and urine. This doesn't seem right to think of Jesus growing in wisdom and knowledge, as Luke tells us he did. Somehow such things seem to detract from his deity and dignity, but that's the point of the gospel. The very beginning of the Christ story tells us that the Messiah was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Why? For the same reason you diaper your baby. Don't you see? From the very beginning, Jesus was one of us. Sharing with us in a human nervous system, digestive system, and every aspect of human nature. Let me give you one more. This is an introduction after all. John Eldridge, who you should take with a little bit of discernment, as I guess you should everyone, right, writes this, crept in this notion has, and it's done great damage to our perceptions and experience of him. It's the notion that Jesus was really pretending when he presented himself as man. Now, we who worship Jesus Christ hold fast to the belief that he is God, very God of very God, to be exact, as the Nicene Creed states. We think of his heroic actions, miraculous powers. We think of him as Einstein dropping in on a first grade math quiz, Mozart playing in a kindergarten choir. After all, we're talking about Jesus here. You know, 
The guy who walked on water, who raised Lazarus from the dead, he never, never broke a sweat, right? Now, you might think that keeping Jesus all mysterious and heavenly is proper, but consider this. When he came, he came presented in the Gospels very much human. A person. A man. With a very distinct personality. Oh, my dear friends, you cannot deny the humanity of Jesus. And not only just deny, you have to embrace the fullness of all that it means that God became a man. Do you realize that most of the early church heresies were over this issue? They just couldn't get their minds around the idea that God could actually become flesh. Gnosticism, for instance, because many people in that time saw the physical world as evil and the spiritual as good. That was very much what Plato taught. And so this idea was, how could God actually become flesh? But so critical was this that the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 4 says, any spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is not somebody that you just have a little theological disagreement with. That, my friend, is the spirit of Antichrist. You must embrace and explore his humanity. You must see him for who he is. Fully God, but also fully man. We must, faith family, see the importance of this. And we're going to take the next few weeks to explore all sides of the Savior, the humanity of Jesus. Will you join me? Don't worry, this sermon's not over, okay? In fact, we're just going to start with this foundation, from Scripture, not from my opinion, not from other authors, but from what the Word of God says, that Jesus was completely human. Verse 5. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now let's start with the divinity of Jesus. There is no passage, maybe except for John chapter 1, that's more clear on the fact that Jesus is fully God. You notice the phrase here, it says, he was in the form of God. Now, on the surface, that word form might seem like physical appearance only. Again, what, what some of the early church heresies said, they kind of coined the phrase that Jesus was just God in a bod. It rhymes. He was just God in a bod. That is, God took on the appearance of a human, but he wasn't really human. And this is where the Greek here is clear because there are two Greek words for the word form. The first word is morphe. It's the essence of something. The second word is schema. It's the, the outer appearance or shape of something. Let me illustrate the difference between the two. It's, it's, it's easy to understand. For instance, when my daughter was born, so if you have kids or grandkids or seen kids, right? When my daughter was born, her morphe, her essence was female. 
and she will always be female, right? I realize the culture that we're in, but I'm talking according to the word of God. She will always be female. The essence of who she is is female. That's her morphe. But her schema, her outer form changed uh, significantly. She went from baby to toddler to little girl in two days. It feels that way, doesn't it? Amen? I mean, just her, her, her outward shape has changed rapidly, but her morphe, her essence has always been the same. Does that make sense? Say yes. One is essence. The other is outward shape. Well, which word does Paul use? He uses the Greek word morphe. That is, Jesus was in the essence of God. He is God. He has the substance of God, the attributes of God. He is, by very nature, God. This isn't the only passage that testifies to this. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, Colossians 1.19. In Him, that is in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. You see this also in this passage quickly in that the phrase says, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. That means to be taken advantage of. Now, we'll talk about more on that in just a moment. The idea is he had the attributes even though he didn't utilize them to his advantage, but he still had them. Paul here is clearly teaching the divinity of Jesus, that Jesus is fully God. Now, you might say at this point, wait a minute, I thought you kind of set this whole thing up to be about the humanity of Jesus. Why are you talking so much about the divinity of Jesus? Two reasons. Number one, I want you to fully understand, regardless of what we say throughout the next few weeks, no one here is denying that Jesus is God. I didn't say was God. I'm saying is God. He is eternal God. The second reason why I'm emphasizing this is because if you feel the weight of what I've just said, now you're going to feel the weight of what comes next. Verse 8. And being found in everybody in all of our locations, say it. Human form. Are you as excited as I am? Some of you. It's the exact same thing he just said about being in the form of God. In other words, Paul's saying here that Jesus not only had the full essence of divinity, but he took on the full essence of humanity. You can't believe one and not believe the other. Meaning Jesus didn't pretend to be a human. He was really, in every way, a human being. And the Bible testifies to this. The Bible says that he became human. In fact, the Bible says he was conceived, he was born, he took on flesh and blood. The Bible not only says that he became a human, but he lived as a human. That is, he was circumcised, he wept, he got hungry, he got thirsty, he slept, he got weary, he was grieved, he became angry, he needed to be alone, he felt the weight of temptation. Listen, this is going to make some of you uncomfortable, and that's okay. Jesus was a normal guy. Some of you are like, die heretic, hold on, right? 
You can't embrace his full divinity if you don't embrace his full humanity. He was a human in every sense of that word. He didn't walk around in a white robe that miraculously never got dirty. He didn't walk around as the pictures portray with a halo on his head. It would have been pretty obvious to figure out he was the, the Messiah. Just follow the guy with a halo. I'm pretty sure he's the one. That's not how Jesus is presented in the Gospels at all. He had a mom and brothers, and he went to the temple, and he asked questions, and he had friends, and he celebrated holidays, and he spoke with a Galilean accent. He was a real a real human being. And he didn't just become a human being. He didn't just live a human life. But the Bible testifies to the fact that he grew as a human. The Bible says, for instance, that he increased in wisdom and stature, that he learned obedience through his suffering. That is, he didn't just become flesh. He continued becoming flesh in the same way you and I do. His body changed and grew. He gained more information. He obtained more life experiences. He was, as the author of Hebrews says, you thought you were done with that book, not so fast. <laughs> Hebrews 2.17, he was like us in every way. Stop and think about that. Now, I wish I had time this morning to unpack just the practical implications of what we call the incarnation. So let me take a moment and just say something about things I don't have time to say anything about. Did you get that? I'll just mention these in passing. I do wish I had more time to unpack them. I wish I could really uh, unpack the significance of the incarnation for the Christian life. You see, here's the, the unfortunate dichotomy people have, is they either think the Christian life is spiritual, you care about your soul, and you pray, and you want to see people one to Jesus, and, and you sing songs to get this like spiritual feeling, or it's not that, it's just all physical. You know, you care for the poor, and you do things, and, and you present your bodies as sacrifices of worship, but the incarnation says it's not that or that, it's this and that. It's both. The Christian life is spiritual and physical. Thank you, mom. All right? Somebody's excited. I appreciate it. it. It's not just me and my quiet time with Jesus. It's actually caring for my body and, and serving with my hands and, and presenting my physical life as worship to God. It's spiritual and physical. I wish I had time to unpack the implications of the incarnation for human life. That this is not just, you know, well, what really matters is the spirit inside and, and the, the body is not me at all. You hear this sometimes even at funerals. I don't have time to say this. I'm going to say it anyways. You go to funerals and you'll hear people say, well, don't really worry about Aunt Betty here. This is just her shell. What really matters is her spirit. Nonsense. This is a part of who she is. This is her body created in the image of God. This is the, the separation of spirit and soul and body is not a good thing. Uh, we are holistic beings. In fact, when God became a man and took on flesh, do you know what he's telling us? Matter matters. The physical creation of God is a good thing. Oh, it may be broken by sin, but it is good so much that God would come into it. 
That has implications for gender. That has implications for marriage that your biology actually matters. It's not what you feel on the inside or what your spiritual person is. No, you are a holistic being. God became man and that matters. But I don't have time to talk about that. (laughs) What I will say practically is this. The fact that God took on a human life means your life matters to God. You think about that. Absolutely. Y'all going to get me going, all right? Lakeville Sanctuary, are you with me? By the way, this is something that Christianity only offers. God came in to our world and took on our life. Do you realize how significant your life is to him? I'm not making you the center of of things. I'm just saying God really actually cares. Because if he didn't actually care, why would he even take on flesh? But he so loves human beings, he became one. Are you tracking with me? It means the highs and the lows of your life, birth and death, A sunrise and a sunset, love, beauty, relationships, work, a good drink, some beautiful music, a nice meal, all of the things that make up this life are a part of God's good creation. And it matters to Him because it's you. It's good news. I wish I had time to talk about all that. But the fact that Jesus is God and man is at the heart of the good news of the gospel. Now you might ask, how do these things work together? Uh, He's fully divine. Bible clearly teaches that. He's fully human. Bible clearly teaches that. But when Jesus is on earth, how are these things at work? Because as we look over the next few weeks at the person of Jesus, we need to understand what's at work here. Look at what Paul says, verse 6. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Here's what Paul is saying here. By the way, Paul is actually, this is an, uh, an older hymn that Paul is quoting that goes back to likely what Jesus taught and what his followers no doubt believed. It, 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 it solidified what the early Christians believed about Jesus and what Jesus taught about himself. Namely, watch, he had all the divine attributes. He didn't get rid of them. But he did not take advantage of them or utilize them to his gain as he was living life on earth. That's what Paul means here by he emptied himself. Notice this on the screen. This is very important. Jesus did not pour something out of himself. He poured himself out. That's huge. Meaning he kept his divinity. He didn't give up his divinity. What he did is he gave up his rights. 
He still had divine essence and attributes and abilities, but he didn't utilize them. Why? In order to live the life of a servant in the likeness of man. Now, let me give a, a couple illustrations, and trying to illustrate this is dangerous, okay? So don't send me an email, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and tell you it's probably a bad illustration. But it'll help to start getting some idea of what Paul's talking about here. As a dad, like some of you, one of the things that I always did when my kids were little is I would get down and I would wrestle with them on the ground, right? Y'all ever do that? And listen, while I'm down there wrestling with my kids, I still have all my attributes, okay? I'm still dad. I've still got my lightning quick reflexes. I've got my Herculean muscles, don't laugh, all right? I have all the attributes that makes me who I am. But in those moments, you know, I don't utilize that because I want to enter in that moment with them. Do you see? And that's not a perfect illustration, but it begins to give you the idea that Jesus still had all those attributes, but he didn't utilize them. He emptied himself so that he could be a servant in the likeness of humanity. Here's another example, maybe a little better, uh, from Bruce Ware, and I'll just quote it. He says, quote, imagine a king who rules a kingdom, and he has everything, servants, wardrobe, all the food that he could possibly want. One day, the king observes beggars in the street. He has compassion on them and wants to help them. The king decides in order to help, he needs to become like them. While still remaining king and retaining all his rights, authority, and riches, he takes off his royal garments and puts on the clothes of a beggar. He lives exactly as they lived. Listen. Begging for food, sleeping on the cold streets, people pass by and mock and spit. The king really suffers. He's not faking it. He really experiences that life, and he really suffers. As king, he can call for his army at any time, but he chooses not to because he can't do that and fully experience the life as a beggar. Now listen to this last statement. To fully experience the beggar's life, he lays aside not his kingship, but his rights as king. That is what Paul is getting at. Jesus is fully divine, and he is fully human, but he does not utilize or take advantage of all his divine attributes as he is living out humanity on earth. Now, take a deep breath, all right? Are y'all going to join me the next few weeks? You better, because I know where most of you live. I've got most of you on our database. Listen, the implications of what I just said are huge. Okay, now hang with me, hang with me, and then we're going to bring it into our world, and then we'll be done, okay? Do you realize what this means? This means that most of the time in the Gospels, what you think is Jesus showing that he's God is actually Jesus showing that he's human. I don't know what that means, Pastor. Help me. Okay. Two examples. Number one, his miracles. Let me give you an example. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 
And he went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease, every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. They brought in the sick, afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Stop. I guarantee you that most Christians, when they read that passage, they think, well, that's Jesus showing that he's God, right? Here's the power team coming in to show you the divine. Watch all my miracles as I show you that I am actually God. Wrong. Not that he's not actually God. Of course he is. But Philippians 2 says he set those things aside. He's not showing you that he's God. He's showing you that he's really human. You say, well, how so? I I don't experience that. Well, go back to the very beginning of your Bible. Do you remember the first two human beings? What were they given? Dominion and authority over creation. What Jesus is showing you here is not, look at me, I'm God. Jesus is saying, look at me, I am the real human Messiah. I am the one promised long ago. I am the ultimate Adam. I am the one who can make right everything sin made wrong. He is not showing you, look at divinity. He's saying, look at humanity. You were created to rule the world. But sin tore that apart. But the ultimate human in the image of God is now here. Follow me and I'll take you back there. Example number two. Not just miracles, but his knowledge Let me give you the example, and then I'll make the point. Do you remember the conversation with the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well? John 4, verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband, for you have five And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Stop. I guarantee most of you read that and you think, well, there's Jesus showing that he's God. He's showing the attribute of omniscience, that he knows all. That is not what Jesus is showing you at all there, even though he has the attribute of omniscience. But Philippians 2 says he doesn't utilize that to his advantage. You say, well, then what is he doing? He is utilizing his prophetic discernment like the prophets in the Old Testament had. Do you want the proof? Look at what she says. Verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Jesus is showing her, I am the Messiah, the human being who has the Spirit of God and speaks truth. Those are just two examples of how where we often think that Jesus is showing off his divinity, he's still divine. He still in that moment has every bit of deity. But that's not what he's showing you. He's showing you humanity on full display. Are you going to join me the next few weeks as we look at all sides of the Savior? 
Let me give you just three reasons as we close, and these are practical as to why I hope that you will join me in this journey to understand the person of Jesus. Number one is this. Until you see all sides of the Savior, you'll never worship Jesus for who he really is. I, as your pastor, do not want you to have a one-dimensional view of Jesus. You only think of Jesus as loving, and that's the extent of which you think of him. No, you need to understand all of who Jesus is so that you can worship all of Jesus. I want you to think about Jesus. I want you to ponder Jesus. I want you to worship Jesus. So come with me on this journey to know more of Jesus. Secondly, until we see all sides of the Savior, you will never understand what it really means to be human. You've done this. I've done this. Many of us make assumptions. Now follow me. I had a 64-year-old woman last night come up to me and say, I'm 64 years old. I've never thought of this before. Most of us make assumptions on what it means to be human based on fallen humanity, not based on true humanity. It goes like this. You've said it and I've said it. We excuse our bitterness, our rage, our lust, our envy by saying this, well, I'm only human. You ever done that? The truth is, when you look at the humanity of Jesus, you see that those things aren't human at all. They're actually more satanic than human. Do you really want to know what it's like to be human? Do you really want to understand all that it means to be humanity? Then you had better not look around you to fallen humanity. You had better look to the true humanity. His name is Jesus Christ. I want you to understand what it really means to be you. And the only way that you'll ever do that is when you understand more of him. Are you going to join me these next few weeks as we explore all sides of the Savior? I hope that you will because you will begin to understand what your life was created to be. Thirdly, Until we see all sides of the Savior, we will never fully experience Jesus in the everyday life. See, what what I hope that you will discover as you go deeper and deeper in your understanding that Jesus knows what it's like to have a prayer rejected. Jesus knows what it's like to have friends betray him. Jesus knows what it's like to feel lonely, to face death, to lose a loved one, to laugh and love, to weep and be angry. Then and only then will you run to him in the everyday. Look at this on the screen. Part of the reason you don't run to him in your life is because you don't really believe he lived your life. But if you really begin to see Jesus in all his humanity and you've lost a loved one, where else would you run but to the one who knows exactly what that's like? Because he in every way has lived our life. And then all of a sudden we begin to in laughter and in love and in sorrow and in grief find Jesus there. Won't you join me? 
these next few weeks as we explore all sides of our beautiful Savior. I don't know if Jesus ever got a stomach virus. It's possible. Bible doesn't say, but I believe it could have happened. And if you think that's embarrassing, if you think that's undignified to think of Jesus in that way, well, may I remind you that Jesus experienced something far more undignified and embarrassing than that. You see, if you can't picture Jesus waking up in the night in a cold sweat, how are you ever going to see him in the night sweating drops of blood? If you can't picture Jesus asking for something to drink to ease his sick stomach, how will you ever see him as asking for something to drink as he hung on a cross? If you can't see Jesus waking up the next day, sun piercing through the window, knowing the sickness he fought all night is gone, how will you see him as the one who woke up one morning, sun piercing through the stone as he walked out of that grave? Until you understand the person of Jesus, we will not understand what Paul meant when he said these words. 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. He's the man, Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Pray with me. God, help us as we go on this journey these next few weeks to understand not what we think, not what others say, but how Jesus has been revealed in your word. We want to know him. We want to see him in all of his personhood and personality because we want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. If there's somebody here today that does not have that, I pray that they would turn from living life their way and that they would put faith in Jesus Christ. He is the one that reconciles us to the Father. Others in this room who are Christians, I just pray that our prayer today would be, God, help me understand Jesus more as we walk through your word these next few weeks and look at the different sides of our beautiful Savior. Would you pray that prayer today? Would that be your heart and your desire? God help us in Jesus' name. Amen.